Welcome to the Actually Connecting Podcast, where emotions, consciousness, and connecting come first. What's up? So my name is Dan Brew, and I started the Actually Connecting Podcast, where it was a place where people could come together and really understand more about emotions, consciousness, and connecting. And I wanted to give everyone the opportunity to have a platform where they could come from their unique perspective and offer up what they believe is consciousness, what they believe is connecting, what they believe is emotions, what are emotions, and how do they fit into each and every one of our lives. I live in Austin currently, and I work with a company called Tour ATX. We do walking tours and ghost tours and murder tours. We have a lot of fun, and truly, it's one of these places where I get to meet people, I get to hear new experiences, and I get to really find out people's stories from all across the world. And it's been a really cool experience in Austin, Texas, because there's a lot happening in Austin at the moment. I want to kind of put a disclaimer on this podcast, which is a little bit unique, because what you're about to hear is an explicit story, and it involves an individual who's experiencing homelessness named Cody. Austin, Texas has this really diverse population of over a million people. And currently there's been this process of people experiencing homelessness, living in tents on the city and Austin, Texas, deciding on how they want to handle that situation. I'll go into that in a later episode, but while I've been doing these walking tours and these ghost tours, I've had the pleasure of meeting an individual by the name of Cody, who you're about to hear. And Cody came up to me during a tour and said, would you like to hear a story about a serial killer that was in Austin, Texas in 2010? And I gave him the opportunity to tell this story. Now, I couldn't let him finish the story because we had kids in the group and the story he was telling was just way too intense. So I said, okay, Cody, hold, hold off on the story a little bit. What we're gonna do is I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna interview you on actually connecting and we'll make this happen. So I go and I drive around and I've got to find out kind of what alleyway he's living in. And I find him and he pulls me into an alleyway and we start having this conversation. We set up all the recording gear and all the stuff. So I want to put this disclaimer because it is explicit what you're about to hear. The audio of it is from inside an alleyway. So you're going to hear some things. And during this process, we experience other people who are experiencing homelessness come through and kind of interact with us. And it's a little bit intense. It's one of those situations where I learned a lot. And I think it's something that is very educational for everyone to hear as well. I also want to put a disclaimer because what is said here is very intense and also has not been verified in any way that I have been able to verify. There are a few things out there that talk about some of these murders that Cody talks about in 2010. But for the most part, I've been unable to find a lot of information. And my next step is going to be to talk to some of the homeless communities and the homeless organizations that are out there helping individuals experiencing homelessness. And I believe that they might have some more information. But the point of me saying this is I want you to do your own research. I want you to investigate this because truly, until we figure out if this happened when it happened, what happened, all the things, it kind of, I'll leave it up to you to decide what you believe and how you process through it. So I appreciate you being here. Thank you for kind of putting up with all the different pieces that go around it. And without further ado, I hope you enjoy the story of Cody and the interview we had here. 
What's up, what's up? We got another podcast on actually connecting where emotions, consciousness, and connecting come to full circle. And I, I've got truly a fascinating, really, really cool guest today. Cody, Cody, what's your last name? Cottrell. Cody Cottrell. So I met Cody when I, I was doing tour ATX downtown. We do walking tours and ghost tours. And Cody came up with a really incredible story. And I just, he's inspired me. And I think he's inspired a lot of other people as well. So I'm excited to kind of hear his story and get the full deeds. So without further ado, Cody, thanks, man. I appreciate you being here. Hey, man. Nice to nice to be talking to you, Bill. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, my name's Cody. I uh, I guess I, I ended up homeless because uh, I had a, a pretty good drug problem starting from the time I was 15 on, and I uh, just didn't direct it properly. I come from a very well-to-do family. My mother lives next door to Roger Clemens, the pitcher for the Astros. Dang. And uh, I guess I've just been a little spoiled brat my whole life that... Got his comeuppance by uh, reality slapping me in the face and leaving me as a 46-year-old man on the streets. I guess that what you wanted to talk to me about is uh, about this guy that got a hold of me back in 2010. And uh, being on the streets, uh, I ended up uh, in a predicament to where I was staying in hotel rooms when I had made money from performing. I uh, ended up in the in the hands of some serial killers that uh, very luckily slipped up enough for me to catch on to what was going and get away. I didn't do anything special. Um, that wasn't any special ability I had. It's just that they tripped up and I caught on to it before they could get me. Let's kind of set some context. What brought you to Austin, Texas? Uh, well, originally I'm from San Marcos. Okay. My father lived in San Marcos. My mother lived in Houston. Yeah. So, you know, as I grew up and became an adult, yeah. I came here. You know? Yeah, for sure. And I'm a musician. So, you know, cool. this is... Where do you play? Well, I've played guitar and bass pretty much my whole life, but uh, I'm an EDM DJ now. Oh, heck yeah. And uh, you can Google me. My stage name is Transamnatos. Cool. And uh, there's a huge trail behind it. It's, it's I'm actually doing pretty good. It's, it's funny. I'm not trying at all, and I'm getting paid behind it. That's awesome. So anyway, uh, yeah, some, some people tried to kill me, and uh, they didn't do it. <laughs> you say that pretty casually. That's a, that's, well, a pretty, that's that's where it ended up. That's I mean, a, right. You know, that's the, the detectives covered it up, and, you know, what year is threw this? it away. 2010 when okay. it happened. So 2010, and are there, is this like a known thing? Are people... Everybody on the streets knows. Everyone on the streets knows that... We all know. People are being killed. Right. And the people that are involved with us, like Integral Care, Front Steps, they all know. Got it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. everybody involved with the homeless scene out here knows what yeah, happened. for sure. But uh, I guess the timing that it happened in... This was August 2010 uh, when the detectives made it clear to me that they were onto it and that they were trying to catch the people yeah. was uh, Halloween day. So, yeah, they just absolutely screwed my mind up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this stuff happened in August. I, I honestly didn't know if I was on drugs so bad that I hallucinated the whole thing because it's pretty fucking incredible. Right. How do you know that wasn't the case? Well, because... Okay, after this all stopped, after after the people chasing me finished and, and all that, the next morning I woke up and I uh, decided that I was probably fucking crazy. So my, my answer was to tell every single homeless person out here what happened. Mm -hmm. And eventually I was hoping that Woody or Chris would come back to me like, dude, what in the fuck are you talking about? You were fucking whacked out. You left all your shit. You ran down the street screaming. We were trying to catch you and save you. And mm -hmm. you're an idiot. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
But that's not the case. The case is Halloween Day. Detectives pulled up to me in the middle of auditorium shores and pulled me out and took me behind uh, Alamo Draft House on Lamar yeah. and told me I wasn't crazy and asked me to show them the house that this happened at. Whoa. Okay, so start from the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's so intense. Yeah, it happened. Start from the beginning. Like, how's all this right, all play here out? Here we go. I, uh, I got in a spot playing at Karma. Like I said, I'm an EDM DJ. Yeah, you're good. I'm just going to let you know. I may get freaked out. I may start screaming. I may cry. I may fucking run in circles. I may actually get up and be cured. I don't know. This fucks me up, okay? Yeah, I feel you. Hey, thank you for being brave enough to talk about this. Okay. Like, I love you, and you. I really seriously appreciate this. We do. I'm sorry you've you've (laughs) had to go through this. I I got my pay that night. I got paid $1,500. I got a really good show. And uh, so I jumped on the night owl, and uh, I was headed to the Texan motel. And uh, I went up there, and both Mel's and the Texan, they're two little cheap hotels on North Lamar. Uh, they were both full up. So uh, I went walking up St. John's to go to I-35 to those hotels up there to see if there's anything available. When I ran into a homeless person I knew named Woody, and he was with another gentleman named Chris, who also said he was homeless who had a cast from his hip all the way down to his ankle. In one leg. And I was wondering why they were out walking around like that at four in the morning. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we got to talking, you know, and at this point I had a sponsorship with a basalt company. <laughs> I mean, like I had, I had gotten Molly. I was doing speed and smoking crack and heroin. And I'd been up for 11 days. At that wow. And that's why I was going to a hotel. Finally, I was going to pass out, you right. know? Yeah. And so I wasn't in my right mind. And, and, you know, I was kind of paranoid and fucked up anyway, because, I mean, this is crack and fucking molly and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And bath salts. You know, they make people eat your face off. (laughs) So I'm thinking, you know, all this has happened at that time. Anyway, uh, oh, wow. This is Josh, the owner of uh, of BBGC, just bought my loans, too. And I'm talking to him about a booking agent position. Oh, cool. Yeah. I've done security for him too. He's kind of how I got my accountability out here. That's cool. Knocking people out in front of bikinis. <laughs> I like that you're wheeling and dealing. Mm-hmm. Sixth Street's changed a lot. It has. Okay, so anyway, I see them, right? And uh, we start talking, and, you know, I'm, I'm like depressed and whatever. I'm telling them, you know, hey, look, I'm, I'm just really tired, y'all. I, I need to go to a hotel. Like, why are you in a hotel, man? It's four more. Just come with us back to this house that we've got over here. I'm like, man, what do you mean come back to your house? What are you you're homeless? And, and Chris pipes in. He's like, oh, it's my dad's house. Uh, we're doing some work for him. And, you know, uh, just going back. It's five bedrooms. And, you know, nobody's staying there. You can just stay as late. In fact, you can move in if you want to. You know, you have a place to stay. I'm like, okay, all right. That sounds cool. Let's go look at it. And they're like, yeah, man, we got beer and weed. Come on, man. Let's go hang out. We got some girls coming over later, too, finally. I'm like, you know, this sounds like homeless fairy tale, you know? <laughs> like, there's a back rub coming with this, you know what I mean? So anyway, we, we go to the house, right? We walk up. It's a pretty nice fucking house, you know? And we go into the front door, and we go in the foyer, and it's wrapped in plastic from floor to ceiling. I mean, the whole room is, there's not a, a millimeter exposed. It's wrapped in clear and white plastic. There's yeah. a chair covered in plastic. Everything's covered, and I'm <laughs> like start laughing i turn around i look at woody and i'm like get the fuck out of here really yeah. you ready to fight bitch yeah. where's your gun you know you immediately knew yeah, something well, was up. I, 
you know, you, that's an old mafia thing. You walk right. into a room, they blast you, and nothing blood gets anywhere. They wrap you up in the plastic, and you're gone. Right. So anyway, I'm like, no fucking way. Get the fuck out. What the fuck is this? And I'm ready to go right then. And Chris starts laughing. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, dude, we're remodeling, man. We're working. I told you we're working for my dad. This is all why I'm kind of wondering yeah. if I'm crazy or not. Yeah. He's like, oh, we're just working for my dad. I'm like, well, what are you remodeling? The plastic? Because nothing's exposed. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. You're bringing shit in here to redo it? Well, what's up? Like, man, the whole house is like this, bro. Let's let's just go in the backyard and chill. I'm like, all right, cool, let's go. I'm going to the, through the house, and the house is beautiful. It wasn't like that. You know, it was beautiful. Yeah. And you can totally tell it was lived in because it was trashed. I mean, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. some bums had moved into a nice house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Basically. So anyway, we go in the backyard, right? The backyard is identical to that movie, Who Came to Dinner? I've never seen that. There's mounds that are eight feet long and four feet tall with giant roses and beautiful growing out of them and flowers and shit. Yeah. <laughs> but the grass is knee high and it's burnt up and dead and there's shovels and rakes laying everywhere and bags uh, of mulch and lye yeah. and stuff. And you're like, yeah. no way, man. Anybody with a prize yard like this would never fucking leave a dowel rod out, much less a fucking whole bunch of shovels and shit. It looked like somebody took prize yard and let a fucking bum camp move in there. Wow. You know what I mean? It was yeah. fucked up. Yeah. So at this point, I'm weirded out. You know, I'm like, yeah, you got something's not right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. What is this house abandoned or something for a long time and y'all are fixing it? You're like, well, let's go back here and chill in the rock pond. Well, a rock pond, let me make this clear, is a, is a pond with no water in it. It's like basically just a circle of pebbles yeah. with a border of bricks or rocks or whatever. You know, it's like it's a rock pond, you know? Yeah. Anyway, uh, we're sitting on the edge of the bricks and there's, like I said, piles of bricks and shovels laying all around like they're remodeling and stuff. It kept being very loud. And I mean, like, this is off, you know, St. John's. It's like five in the morning now. Yeah. And they keep saying, Shilly, you didn't see it. You didn't see it. And they're laughing a lot. I'm thinking, what do I see? Well, Grand, remember, I told you these mountains are four feet tall and the roses are growing above them and we're sitting down. Right. So there's all this stuff on the top of us and shit, right? You getting a good mental picture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the pond's about 15 feet across, so we're all sitting here and we're passing a joint. So you're kind of protected from everything around. Yeah, nobody can see us. Nobody can see inside this little pond. Right, area. I right. Got you. We're, we're sitting down, and uh, they keep saying, you didn't see it. And they're laughing, like, fucking, they're amazed I don't see this, you know? And I'm like, oh, what don't I see, you know? And I'm laughing, too. We're smoking and enjoying having fun, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, out of the corner of my eye, I see what you're pointing at the pile of bricks. And Chris go, what does that say? What does that mean? Like, hit him with the bricks. Oh, you hit him with the bricks. Like, like a swing, you yeah. know. Like, don't point it out. No, no. He pointed at the bricks. Like, fuck him up with those. Oh, I got him? you. Yeah, hit him. Yeah, okay. See, I got you. They were yeah. sitting each other about how to fuck me up. Right. And so, remember, I got paid fifteen hundred dollars. Right. And a whole bunch of drugs on me. Right. And I'm thinking that they're about to rob me. Okay. And so I put my hands on my knees like this, and that's when I saw it. When you're looking down at the ground, my feet, hands in your head. My feet weren't on pebbles, bro. They were on teeth. Thousands and thousands of people teeth and dog teeth. Wow. And that's when, you know, it all clicked. Uh, all the homeless people had been killed and homeless people and their dogs. And, you right. know what I'm saying? Right. 
right then I looked up at Woody and he was looking at me like this. He's got this evil smile on his face. And I'd seen it. Yeah. <laughs> you know you what saw, I mean? You saw the look in the eyes. No, I'd seen what they were talking about. He doesn't yeah. see it. Yeah. It was the teeth. Yeah. So I, I uh, was like, oh, fuck. You know, <laughs> what do I do? I'm like, all right. Hey, bro, I got to use the bathroom, man. Um, y'all got one that's available in the house? Yeah. Sure. Go on in the house. Nobody will hurt you. Yeah. That's no, what they there's, say. Yep. Nobody will hurt you. There's nobody in there waiting for you. I promise. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, yeah, it's funny, right? Yeah, okay, so fucking it's in there, I can just go. Yeah, yeah, sure, man, go on and nobody's gonna do it, you trust me. Right then I hear a crash. All right, Woody, who's in the fucking house, dude? That's what you ask him. Yep, I'm I'm done at this yeah. point. I'm ready to roll. I saw yeah. teeth, there's muffles, they're acting yeah. stupid. Yeah, I'm about to stab a motherfucker, right or wrong. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? Who's in the fucking house? Yeah. And this loud, he goes, ha! That's just our sex slave we have in the back. <laughs> you know, and they start laughing. Remember four or five in the morning? Yeah. Man? Like, fuck, all right. Well, fuck it. You know, haha, sex slaves are great. Yeah. Take off walking towards the house, and I'm thinking, okay, which side of the house is the gate on? Because I'm about to break. You know what I mean? And if I break the wrong way, it's going to be fucked up. I broke to the right. And as I'm rounding the corner of the house, there was a window that was horizontally long instead of vertically long. Mm -hmm. And as I'm running by this long ass window, I'm getting a real good fucking look of what's inside. And it looked like a haunted house. It had fucking body parts stapled to the walls. There were fucking blood everywhere. Chainsaws and axes and knives. And there was a body hanging in the fucking closet that was, you could tell it had its legs cut off or something. And fucking everything was blood from the bottom down. And can see it. Oh my god, dude. I'm gonna throw up. Right. Anyway, so um I got the right gate. <laughs> and I got out and I ran, 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 ran. Cars were chasing me from all directions, and I could tell that they were that they were the same cars because like one had a different color quarter panel and, and one had a busted windshield. You know what I mean? So they're trying to chase. They were you trying now to catch me because yeah. they've let someone go. Right. Who knows? Right. And that's when I got to thinking, okay, that dude Chris has a cast from his leg all the way down. He probably crashed a car chasing somebody. Right. Smashed him into a tree. You know what I mean? Something. Anyway. uh... As I'm running, people are, are pulling over on the field road, getting out, and I'm having to turn, go different directions. And I made it all the way to uh, a 7-Eleven at uh, 290, mm -hmm. and that's uh, a pretty good little run. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I made it there, and I'm thinking, okay, if I'm going to die, it'll be on camera. You know what I mean? And as I'm uh, running up to the, to the front, I'm about 30, 40 yards from the store, and a white pickup truck pulls up and screams up to the front and two guys get in and run inside and this other guy comes banging out the fucking door like somebody threw him and fucking he sits down right outside goes like this and as I'm running up I'm looking I see it's the fucking clerk <laughs> like hey bro what you doing having a smoke did you see these two guys go in and to me he goes he nods yes and puts his yeah. head back down you know and I was yeah. like <laughs> okay my decision to want to die on camera just changed Flipped the bitch and fucking started running for a payphone. There was a payphone right there. I was going to 911 and throw the phone and just keep going and start screaming. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was time to face it. And as I was running for the payphone, a police car screeched up in between us and rolled down the window. 
The cop looked at me. And before I could say anything, he said, Cody, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> right. I went, whoa, I'm running for my life, asshole. Yeah. Fucking help me. He goes, yeah. I know. He goes, go home. Rollins went back up and drove off. White picked up, pulled out, and drove off. Cop no, he's up. chasing me anymore, you know? Because the co- they saw the cops. No, man. He calls it off. He was the killer. He was the killer? When the detectives finally came and got me, they told me that they had Woody and Chris in custody. And that the killer got away into Mexico. They had video footage of him crossing the border into Laredo, and he was an Austin police officer. And he was an Austin police officer. Wow. Do you? Do they know his name? Of course. What's dude, his they name? know who he is. I do don't you know. know his name? I don't you know. don't know his name. I don't know. You in know fact, the detective, the detective Driscoll talked to my mother one second. The second I was out of his view, he called her back and told her I was crazy and that it never happened. And I was on drugs and hanging out with very dangerous people. Wow, so you covered the story. Covered it completely up, and I never heard anything about it after that. I, I saw one article about it on uh, CBS, I think, mm-hmm. and then uh, our Fox 7, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, about the homeless people being killed, and then they ran a one-liner article at the bottom of the Chronicle, and I don't remember the Chronicle of yeah. all things, that 36 homeless people had been murdered in Austin. Wow. That's it. 2010. 2008 to 2010, or we just don't know? Just 2010, 2010 area. No, he killed these people over a period of three months. It was a three-month period. Yeah, he killed 36 fucking people, like, just bam, 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 bam. Wow. Yeah. So you've just gotten kind of... You got to realize, though, Austin's the way they deal with their homeless people, you know, 36 of them disappear. Good. You know what uh, I mean? They, they wipe that under the rug real quick. Nobody cares. It's blown away. What's it like from your perspective? You've got this whole new prop coming into play May 10th, the vote and all the things. Like, how, What's your perspective on all of it? doesn't affect me whatsoever. Therefore, I have no idea what's even going on. Got it. Why does it not affect you? Because I give two shits about what the law says. For me you. To do. Okay. I got you. <laughs> I do what yeah. I want, when yeah. I want, and how I want. It's freedom. Yeah. Absolutely. And if they tell me I'm breaking the law, well, okay, cool. Thanks for informing me of that. Got it. I'm still going to do exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah. Because they tell me I can't sit down. Well, guess what? <laughs> I'm in a wheelchair. Suck it. Yeah. If they tell me I can't camp in public, I don't camp in public anyway. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I give two fucks. Yeah, I think what's going on is wrong anyway. So, you know. Interesting. I think it's totally wrong for homeless people to do what they're doing on Riverside and camp like that. But then again, I think it's totally wrong for the fucking public to fucking make it to where they have to do that. Right. So fuck them. Fuck them right. both. Do you have a solution? Like, what's the no, ideal? No solution. No solution. It just, just is what it is. Still let people be fucking people and shut the fuck up. Fuck <laughs> just, what you're going through. Right. That's it. That's it. Let people live how they're going to live. As long as you're not hurting anybody. Right. That's it. Right. Keep Welcome the, to our modern yeah. society. Right. A man in China released a virus that killed damn near the whole world. These people are just fucking camping. But right. it's disgusting because they're people and they don't have what they need to live correctly. Mm-hmm. So if you want don't want to see that, take these people with fucking money and get them out there to fix it. Yeah. Put them in an office and make a bitch about it. Tell them you got a problem, go take care of it. Yeah. Asshole, don't sit in here and go, I got a problem, so therefore let's make it illegal for them to do that. Well, guess what? I have a problem with somebody with a six-figure bank account that can look at a person starving. And fucking walk into a place like this and spend 40 fucking dollars on donuts and fucking walk out and watch their man need a cigarette. I think that should be criminal. Got it. So, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Perspective. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Fucking A, bro. 
So you can't sit back and go, I'm well to do, so therefore I don't want to see them suffer. That's right. fucked up. You sit back and go, Well, you're well to do, therefore you should not sit back and watch them suffer. Ten percent of your income. Yeah. Goes to that one man. Okay? Then we'll fix it. Got you. You assign one person to each person with an income higher than above. And wow. Done and it's solved. That's fascinating. One to one compassion. That's interesting. I've never heard that thought before. Wouldn't fucking hurt a person. Yeah. So, <laughs> ding, you know. Right. And trust me, when I'm personally living on $790 a month disability, mm-hmm. for a person with six figures to give 10% of your income to one person, yeah, that would solve this homeless problem. Got you. So, this cop comes up. It's the original, it's the killer. It kind of gets called off at that point. <laughs> I'm it, guessing that's you're guessing. That's I'm guessing. I knew it was an awesome police officer that killed him and then it got away. So I'm figuring that was him. Okay. Because we don't actually know the name of that particular name. I don't. But right. They do. Someone does. <laughs> they do. They told me he was a police officer, so they know who he is. Right. Who is they when they came back Detective to see Driscoll. you? Detective Robert Driscoll. Okay. <laughs> there he is. Yeah. I'll put that up there. Yeah. I remember his name because just God, this is intense. But I mean, you know, the Driscoll Hotel, that name is very famous. Plus, oh my God, man. I wish I could have videotaped when they took me behind Alamo Draft House. Okay, let me yeah. let me back up to that story. Yeah, right. Perfect. Uh, Halloween day, I'm sitting in the middle of Auditorium Shores with eight or nine friends, uh, smoking a joint, and this homeless guy we've never met before. But I mean, like he seemed to know us. It's definitely the undercover, right? Uh, this other homeless guy comes up, and I guess he was looking for me in all the homeless areas and stuff. Yeah, and uh, he found me. But anyway, uh, introduce yourself as a guy named Al. Like, woo, Al. Yeah. Right? Not Al, A-L, O-W-L. Yeah, O-W-L. Right. So anyway, uh, fucking Al tells me, you know, oh, some guys jumped me and stuff. And he did have a black eye. And I remember him telling me that story, right? So just fucking jumped down and then the time goes by. I don't know where the fuck Al went. But anyway, all of a sudden, all these fucking gray and black unmarked police cars come fucking jamming straight at us. And we're like throwing weed everywhere. And she's yeah. going, oh, no, you know, what the fuck? Yeah. Busted. They pull up and they get out. All these detectives get out, right? And uh, they, they go, you're, you're Trans Am, right? And I'm like, yeah. Like, you got you have rank out here with the Harry Brotherhood, right? And I'm like, not anymore. What the fuck? That was prison. And, you know, mm-hmm. anyway, uh, he goes, well, we think some of your guys uh, may have uh, jumped somebody. I'm like, okay, well, you don't think I did it. So what makes you think that if I knew one of my guys did so, I would just tell you, you know, and they're like, well, we need to ask you about this guy's beat up pretty bad. And I'm like, I'm going to tell you, man. They're like, well, you're going to have to come with us. I'm like, fuck, everybody's looking at me all fucked up. I take my backpack because it was loaded and I handed it to my boy. And I was like, yeah, get it out. Like, yeah. He was like, yeah, get going. I'm like, all right, cool. Anyway, so I get in the back of the fucking car and we take off, right? But instead of heading towards downtown or towards Twin Towers North, this is where they usually take you to question you for gang shit. They start heading south. <laughs> and I'm like, where the fuck are we going? They said, don't worry about it. Fucking, we, we drove out south of Lamar uh, and went in the alley behind Calamo Draft House. I'm thinking they're fixing to beat my ass. Wow. I'm like, why are these detectives taking me to the fucking alley? Oh, shit. What's going on? This must be real big. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what is this? Yeah. Anyway, 
detective in front of me. I'm like, what's going on? He's just kind of waved his head and shoes in like that and got out of the car and shut the door left me at the car. Well, then the detective car in front of us, which, by the way, was a different color. It was dark blue. <laughs> These detectives get out. It was straight out of fucking CSI. This is where I, I wish I could start rolling camera. Bing! Because yeah, yeah. the cops are in front of you. I'm going to help you get a good visual here. Yeah. Both the back doors open, right? The man gets out this side. The lady gets out this side, right? The lady's got blonde hair down to, you know, about here. And uh, it's very unkempt. And she's got kind of leather face, no makeup on, blonde hair, blue eye. You tell she was probably very pretty, you know. Anyway, white button-down shirt, like a man's shirt, button-down about here, you know, with, with then with black slacks on, with the, you know, detective's uh, badge and the gun on her hip. Straight out of CSI, yeah. I swear. Yeah. The guy has blue jeans and a blazer on. <laughs> You know, right. very nice hair, very, very nice looking man. Gun on his and badge on his belt as well. Definitely detectives. He's got, you know, the clipboard and all the manila envelopes and shit. You know, they walk up to me. He's doing the clipboard like that. Reaches down to open the store. He goes, Get out. Wow. I get out. And he goes, Hey, man, look, I know I'm, I'm abrupt. I don't mean to be. He goes, he goes I'm just very tired. He, and he goes, I guess you figured out now that nobody got jumped and that's not what you're here for. And I'm like, yeah, what what happened? Because I'm not sure I'm talking. <laughs> you know? Right. And uh, he goes, a few months ago, some people tried to hurt you. Now, you remember, I didn't know at this point whether or not this was real. I told a lot of fucking people that this happened, waiting right. for Woody and Chris to come back and tell me I was crazy and nothing had happened. In fact, when I told people that he tried to kill me, most of them knew eight or nine people that had been murdered. And so a lot of people were looking for... Hey, what's up, man? What y'all doing out here? Just doing an interview. What kind of interview? Doing his story. What happened? He's got cool stories. Cool dude. No, tell me. I want to hear. (laughs) Well, I spit on you. I don't care. I'll let you hear it once it's done. Do you know who that is? This this is is Cody. That's his name? It's Trans Am. All right. What's your name? He, he, He Look at him. What's your name? It's Trans Am. Hey, bro, I gotta get back to work. Oh, right. well, he, he worked. I got you. He worked. Yeah, I know he does. <laughs> One thing I'm gonna have to ask you to do is not to get my name onto this homeless people out here. Absolutely. That guy is the biggest robbing asshole dick on the fucking planet. Absolutely. The last thing I wanted was that guy in my life, period. Okay. I apologize That's for that. a serious violation of my personal. personal okay. I don't think you understand. Okay. That guy does not need to know my fucking name. I got you. I apologize. Thank you, bro. Yeah, I'm seriously, I'm sorry about that. And then to tell him you're going to play my thing for him afterwards, that's... Okay. That's what I need. I need that dude over there listening to my personal shit. Okay. This will only be on the podcast. I will never let him hear this from a personal place. I never would have. It's truly if he was to go on the internet and listen to it. Thank you. That's a promise. Thank you. Absolutely. That's me trying to I mean, that handle guy, a situation that, that I'm not used first to. Snatching, fucking, if he sees money in my hands like yeah. that, he'll try to get it. He's a bully motherfucker, man. I got you. What's it like living out here, dude? It sucks, but I, I really do got to get back to it. I got you. Okay. I'm sorry. Man. It's okay. You have nothing to apologize for. I have one question for you. From an emotional standpoint, because this, this, this podcast is all about emotions and consciousness. What is consciousness to you? 
wow, I guess just awareness. Awareness. Yeah. yeah. And what would you say emotions that you experience the most are? Right now, uh, slowness. Loneliness. <laughs> yeah. Very, yeah. Very tired. What about through your life? What do you mean? Uh, through your life, like, is loneliness is right now, but has there been different times where it's something different? Of course, yeah. I mean, yeah. What's the spectrum? It's just like that now because, you know, it's the, the time of the, the season, you know. It's, yeah. It's uh, everybody's distanced themselves and everybody's here to do anything different. And the uh, position that I've had in life, uh, you know, I'm sure it's really easy to not want to get close to somebody like me. And that's fine. I, I really kind of like it that way, too. Right now, I don't have any responsibilities. I don't have anybody depending on me. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't, yeah. I don't have to worry about anyone but myself. Yeah. And that's actually very nice. Yeah. It really is. It's, yeah. I mean, it's hard out here. It really can get hard. And uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If there's something that... It's easy to let myself down, but, you know, I don't want to let anybody down. I don't want to hurt anybody. I'm yeah. tired of... Seemingly, you know, like literally running over everyone's toes. I am one of those kind of people that shouldn't be in the position I'm in, based on all everything I have. But for some reason, I am. Yeah, I can't seem to get out. Yeah. If someone could hear this and kind of give you that magic tick to what you were looking for, what would that be? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I honestly don't know. I'd, yeah. I'd have to think about that. Yeah, I appreciate it. I don't know what I want. You know, honestly, you know, I, I sit back and I'm, oh, no, you know, I'm pretty happy in life. I have the life that I want. You know, I I do what I want, what I want, pretty much however I want. Yeah, freedom. You know, I say I need to get back to work, but I don't have to go back to work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. The only reason I need to get back is because I like that guy when we left, you know, stalking the fucking front door. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, when I say I got to get back, I'll probably go in there for 10 minutes and leave. Yeah. You know, yeah. everything's okay. But uh, what were we talking about right when fucking dickhead red walked? We were talking about. Oh, by the way, let me tell you how the kind of guy that is. You know, cat yeah. out here, the female with a big white dog? Yes. One day, cat was going into Voodoo Donuts. He asked her for a dollar. She reached in her purse to give it to him. When she did, he decked her in the face so hard, that's why her teeth are missing. I got you. It's so fucking big, none of us can do anything about it. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, totally. <laughs> anyway, so what were we talking about? Right we were talking about, so you're behind the Alamo Draft House right now. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, that, yeah, that's... CSI, that, she just got out, he just got out. Yeah, and they told me that uh, I wasn't there because of some stupid fight and that some people had tried to take me to the house and hurt me. And that's when I kind of realized that, you know, this was real, you know, that I wasn't crazy, that it wasn't the drugs. And these fuckers took me from zero to flipped out and, you know, fast. I mean, like, I went from happy-go-lucky smoking a joint to, oh, my God, those are people with dog teeth, you know? I mean, like, instantly. And uh, they got me to a point where I was almost relaxed enough, you know what I mean, yeah. to be slipping enough for the minute. Yeah. And if they had, if he'd swung that brick like fucking like he said right then, I'd be done. You know right. what I mean? But I caught it. Right. So anyway, 
they, the detectives told me that, you know, I'd been taken to a house, right? And they, they said that the only problem was to get a good conviction. They needed me to take them to the house. So I was like, all right, cool. I, I think I remember where it is. You got to remember I was up for 11 fucking days, man. Yeah. I had never been there before. And yeah. when I left, it wasn't exactly calmly. You know what I mean? Like I just bolted. Yeah. Like a fucking cat on a blind run. You know what I mean? That was yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Fucking, uh, so, but they, they already knew where the fucking house, so they pretty much took me to it, you know what I mean? Like, uh, when we were going, I knew the first turn off St. John's, right? And then, uh, as we started going towards the house, uh, I was like, I think I left here, and Dex was like, are you sure it's not two more streets down? <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? But as we went by the house, I remembered the house. I mean, when I saw that house... That's the fucking house. They stopped immediately, got on the radios, so we confirmed location, and they knew. They already knew. And then right then, Chris came out of the house and took something to the garbage. That's Chris. And then uh, they they took me back down here. I asked Detective Driscoll to call the phone. Okay, my parents. They have no reason to not believe a word I say, but they don't. You know what I mean? And, uh, I mean, they don't fucking reward, I say. They think any time I call them, I'm trying to play them for money. You know, they're very bloated. They, you know, I'll call them and say, oh, mom, happy birthday. What is it you need? Got it. Don't butter me up and tell me happy birthday if you're calling for me. Yeah. What the fuck, mom? Really? Yeah. So, so I asked the detective to call my mom. Because at this point, I was fucking terrified. They were all still loose. You know what I mean? Yeah, good point. Fucking, I just saw Chris. I'm homeless. I was like, oh my God. I'm getting, I gotta get off these streets, man. I need a hotel room or something. I'm freaking out. Mm-hmm. I was like, Detective, so I need you to call my mother. And I need you to tell her what happened. Mm-hmm. So that when I call her, you know what I mean? Yeah, so you have some credibility with it. Right. It's your work. So while we're right there, he called her and I got to talk to her. You know, he told her that, you know, I was, I, I was in a lot of danger. You know, some people tried to kill me that were still loose and probably knew where I was and how to find me. Yeah. And uh, that, in his book, it would be okay, you know, for me to, to get off the streets, you know. Hung up. Called my mom back about 45 minutes later. She told me that Driscoll had called her back when I left because he didn't want to upset me. But that none of it had ever happened and that I was on drugs and delusional. Wow, he and said the same out thing. With some very dangerous people. Wow, he said the same thing. What do you mean, same? Well, are you saying the cops that had just seen the house no. called back? Or they called. Yeah, yeah, no, different? he did. He did. Yeah, he called. I mean, right after he called my mother for me and told me that all this had happened, mm-hmm. he called her back after I left. Yeah, and told her that it did really didn't happen, and that they were trying to figure out how to deal with me because I was psychotic. Wow. So then when, you know, my mom was just like, look, you're on drugs, you're doing all this and that. Yeah. He's doing all this and that. Believe me. Yeah. And so it just fucking dogged out my fucking credibility, you know yeah. what I mean? But then that one letter hit the Chronicle, and I did tear that out and send it to her. I think she saw something about it on the news somewhere, too. Because, I mean, like two days later, there was like a thousand dollars in my bank account. Yeah, very remorseful. You know, asking me if I needed shit, but so anyway, that that was the end of it. Until <laughs> until about 
six months, or I'm sorry, I want to say about a year and a half ago, I was sitting up by 7-Eleven and fucking Woody walked up to me. Now granted, this whole time, right, after the detectives, I hear from other people random, yeah, they got Woody in custody, he's in building two. Building two is an aggravated building, you know, for violence and shit like that. Got it. They had him in building two, and or they had Chris, then uh, when I called back, uh, I didn't talk to the detective, just I talked to another person who told me all the, you know, APD also gave me the update on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, they have to, I'm witness protection now. Mm-hmm. You know, or not witness protection, but I'm a witness to, to this. Mm-hmm. They have to keep in touch with me for the trial and all that, so. Mm-hmm. You know, so I knew that, that all, all this had happened, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just sitting in front of 7-Eleven, fucking Woody walks up to me. I look up at him like, I can't be fucking looking at this guy right now. What? And I thought, you know, for the last five years, if I ever fucking get my hands on this guy, what am I going to do? I found out I was going to fucking freak out. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, holy fuck. There's Woody. Any phone walking me and say, bro, you're with me. <laughs> yeah, dude, I do. You just got a cigarette. I go, I got nothing for you, man. I said, get the fuck away from me right now. What's wrong, man? Would he get the fuck away from me? This is a quarter on the street. In, on the street? On the street. Yeah, he walked yeah. up to me out in front of 7 Eleven one day. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, you know, get the fuck away from me, dude. Anyway, yeah, I got thinking about it. As an accessory to, to capital murder, he would have got 25 to life, uh-huh. right? On parole, you do a fourth of your sentence here in Texas. Fourth of that's about five years. He was out on parole. Wow. Walked right up to me and said hi, and then uh, so I, I got him away, or I got away from whatever. Anyway, uh, the next morning, I woke up and on that dumpster right next to where I sleep, somebody had tagged BSTK. What is that? The bind sexually torture and kill. That's the that was his name. That B-S-T-K. was his, BSTK, and he modeled his killings apparently after the BTK killer in Wisconsin. Bind torture kill. It is when it's step further. Hence the sex slave hanging right. in the closet. You said to me when we I heard the story. Look at what they were going to do to me, man. Right. <laughs> right. You know? Like, wow. I'm grateful you're here, dude. I'm grateful you had the wits about you. You said <laughs> that there was three people and two of you, two of you escaped. Yes. How did the second, Wait, the woman escape? I don't know. I guess when they chased me, I guess everybody in the house chased me. She was able to get out. Good. Wow. And is she still here? Do you still? I don't know. I never spoke to her. Got it. Wow. It's got to be traumatic. I don't think I want to speak to her. I don't want to go through that with anybody. I'm yeah. done with it now. I yeah, don't for sure. Whatever they got hangups, I don't want to take that on. So, oh, my God. She actually went through it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I got away, but she barely got away. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. No telling what they did to her, you know? Or what she saw. Right. That room that I went by was fucking gore bro. It was fucked up. I'd never seen it. Rob Zombie would have threw up. You know what I mean? The yeah. devil himself went, damn! You know what I mean? Yeah. It was fucked up. Yeah. I'm serious. Like, hands stapled to a fucking wall and shit. Wow. I got every bit of that in my head every time I close my eyes. Right. 
Right. So now, whenever I go to somebody's house, it's fucked up because I'm not even thinking about it. I go to somebody's house and suddenly start shaking and getting weird and I have to get out. Yeah, of course you do. I think it's also part of the reason why, unless you ask why I'm homeless. Yeah. That's, that's why. Yeah. PTSD for sure is real. I can't go in. You know, it's, I can't stay in anyway. It's, but, um, I appreciate you telling your story. That's it. That's how it ended. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, uh, oh, well, wait. That tag was on the dumpster. So yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I immediately went down at the end of my alley is where Officer Carlisle used to sit on his bicycle. Yeah. Carlisle's my buddy. I went down there and told Carlisle, and he went back up and saw it and took some pictures of it and uh, made a phone call. And later, Austin Lyons was out there racing the tag. Yeah. And uh, you know, he, he was like, Cody, man, he was like, dude, I'm staying right here by you. There's nothing will happen. So I'm right here. Wow. Carlisle was right there at the end of that alley for a month. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know what happened with Woody. Uh, I don't know if he's still around or what. I, I hear every now and then he's around. But uh, I think if you're going to find him, he'll be down by Cedar Chavez. You may want to go interview him too. Yeah, it'd be interesting. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's a know? different perspective. It's a side where he was kind of involved in it a little bit more heavily. Oh, well, fuck. Dude, he was luring, he was luring people his in. fellow yeah. homeless person in for somebody to kill. Yeah. The reason so, oh, that was another thing. When I was talking to them, I was kind of depressed when I was with me. They kept saying shit like, aren't you glad you're alive? Aren't you glad you're not chopped up in little pieces? You know, you yeah. could be chopped up in little pieces, right? And I guess so. He said, do you mind if I pray for you? I was like, okay, cool. But instead of praying for me, he grabbed him by the back of the head, put his forehead to mine and started going in Santa Rita. Like, dying. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So you're like, what do you think they were doing? Yeah, I think it was one of those fucking things you hear about out of Madame Morris or some shit. You know what I'm saying? They find 50, 60 bodies in a grave. They've all had some weird cult shit done to them. Mm-hmm. Happens wow. all the time, really. You know, I mean, they're used to it. And like you said, if it's kept hush-hush, you don't know when it happens. Right. That's the truth. And not only that, but these are homeless people, so nobody's looking for them. Nobody's, nobody's even missing them. You know, as well as people know me right now, like you keep hearing people going, man, where have you been for the last year and a half? I thought you were dead. Nobody looked. Not one of you. Not one of you motherfuckers that said you love me and, and all of a sudden I disappear one day. Not one person. See, I could fucking pop off at any second. Nobody would ever miss me. And that's where you feel that loneliness. Yeah. That's what's up. Yeah. You know, it sounds fucking pathetic, but nobody loves me. It's not <laughs> pathetic, and I just need to let you know that you are loved. From from no. me to you? No, no, I'm really not. No, you can't say that. Do you believe that all is all? No. Sure. I believe that heavily. But, I mean, like, you can't say you, you love somebody, bro, if at the end of the day, they're still in the same suffering situation there. Right. Say so you respect and you love the fact that they are who they are, but you can't say it. Because I know this. If I rolled out here and saw my son sitting on those streets, he wouldn't be sitting there 10 minutes later. Because I love it. Mm-hmm. I would never say to him, do it great, bro. I love you. Mm-hmm. See you later. Right. Go back to my air conditioning in my car. And my right. Lunch. Right. That's my love, though. That's, that's respect. That's my love. Gotcha. I don't know if I believe in that kind of love, you know? Yeah, I understand. Do you believe in hope? 
Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. I heard someone say that that was what was missing in Austin, Texas, within people who are experiencing homelessness, that commu- the community. Like, well, within home. the homeless community, it's like this. We're just happy. They're leaving us the fuck alone. Got it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what it's like to not have anywhere safe to lay down and go to sleep because the cops are the ones you have to worry about? Fuck, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't come back here and lay down if I, if I do I go to jail. Wow. Really? Well, you know what? If somebody doesn't want to see my misery, tell them to stay the fuck out of the alley. But if my misery isn't fucking you up, man, then why? What, what right do you have to say that fucking I can't sit down somewhere? Mm-hmm. You know they're about to pass a law, and this is funny to me because nobody believes that they're about to pass it, but they already passed the motherfucker in Seattle. It's a vagrancy law. Says that if you don't have a dollar on you, it's criminal jailable offense. You are a vagabond if you don't have a dollar on you. <laughs> Friends of mine in Portland and in Seattle keep a dollar bill laminated in their fucking wallet at all times. So if they don't spend it, they can't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fuck it. What? Wow. I can't believe they will literally tell a homeless combat fucking veteran that he can't afford to fucking be homeless in their fucking city. Yeah. So they're about to pass out law here, too. Everybody's just like, eh, fuck. Look at how gross that is. Make it illegal. Yeah, it's gross. It should be illegal. You're right. It should be illegal for you to sit back and watch people suffer like that. Sure is. Mm-hmm. Sure should be illegal for you to watch people suffer and your answers to throw them in jail for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hate this world. You know, I really do. Want to just sit back and watch it all fucking burn? I'm bitter, I guess. I don't know, but you're being me. honest and you're being vulnerable, and I, I think that's serial killer. <laughs> yeah, you did. I appreciate you being so honest about all this. I believe more people need to hear this, and I think that it starts with people just like yourself being brave enough to come forward and actually talk about the shit that really goes down. If anybody wants to help, feel free to start a GoFundMe account. <laughs> there you go. I appreciate that's Honestly, so that's my next question. Yeah. How do any people get in contact with you? If you even want that. Yeah, sure. Uh, of course, you know, you have my, my, my email address in front of me, right? I don't, but I don't know if you want it out in the world. Sure, you okay? sure. Smash your face 420 at gmail.com. There you go. Okay, cool. Perfect. Do you want a phone number? 737-800-8849. There you go. Okay, cool. I appreciate it. And I will say to you this right now, eye to eye, I love you, man. Thanks, bro. For real. I want you to know that love exists. Absolutely. This is actually connecting. Like what you heard? Give it a share. Want to talk about it? Comment or like below. Have a great rest of your day. This is the Actually Connecting Podcast.